Wow, you guys are a happy bunch. So since we're in a series on happiness and you're already happy, let's just go to lunch, all right? <clears throat> so today we're going to be talking about getting satisfied, getting satisfied. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. So we're in the series, or we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus started the greatest sermon that was ever recorded, the Sermon on the Mount, talking about happiness. And normally when you start a sermon, you try to get people's attention some way, shape, or form. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was saying, look, if you want to be happy in your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. So my, my no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's not what he said. It's a great song, though. So just trying to get your attention. <laughs> Jesus talked about being happy because he knew that people would be like, oh, I want to be that. I want to be happy. I, I'm on the pursuit of happiness. So he started this sermon with this, and, and we're in verse 6 today. He said, happy are those who are hungry and thirsty for true goodness. Another version says righteousness, for they will be satisfied. This version says it that way. They will be satisfied. That's a great translation for us to understand in our language. They will be satisfied. In our culture, most of us don't know what it's like to be hungry or thirsty. You know, our hunger is, oh, I heard a growl. It's almost lunchtime. That's hunger for us. Thirsty doesn't mean that we haven't had anything to drink. Most likely thirsty is if you're like me, I've already drank so much water that my body is saying, I need more water, need more water, need more water. Because the more you drink, the more that you need. And, and so that's our hunger and thirst here in our culture. But, you know, you go to some other places around the world and you'll find in India that there are people that are actually physically starving. In Africa, there are people that are physically starving. Someone once said that, that in those places they're physically starving, but in, in America we are emotionally starving. Emotionally starving. You know, we all have hunger inside of us emotionally we have that we use phrases like my life is empty what's the purpose of my life i'm bored i'm restless i can't seem to get a, get in the groove i can't seem to make things happen something seems to be missing in my life have you ever felt that way Something's missing. There must be more to this life than what I'm doing or experiencing. You ever felt that way? Even when things are going good, there seems to be success. And, and, and there's this gnawing feeling inside of us that says, man, something's off. Something's missing. And, the, you know, it's, it's, it's just a feeling that we get. It's an emotion that we have in our lives. Why is it that so many people are unsatisfied? Rolling Stones saying, I knew you guys were thinking it, so I just thought I'd get it out. All right. And the Bible says that the reason for this is because we're looking for this in all the wrong places, which brings up another song. <laughs> so Solomon, the wealthy and wise king, if you, if you study and find out who he was, he set out under the sun to find out what was worthwhile doing. 
and using all of his great wisdom that God had given him and using all the, the immense wealth that God had given him. Solomon used all of that wisdom and wealth to try to figure out what is the purpose and meaning of life. What is worthwhile doing while living under this sun? And he came to the place where he was just like meaningless. And look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 8. King Solomon wrote this. He said, no matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're never content. We can identify with that, can't we? You see, our flesh can't be fed enough. And we can't ever get to the place where we feel enough pleasure, see enough pleasure, hear enough pleasure. We can never really get to the place where we smell enough pleasure. And, and if, if it were up to me, heaven would smell like cinnamon rolls or bread cooking all the time. Tasty cakes. Don't worry, we'll get there. So, you know, I mean, even if you do smell a really good smell, what happens after a few seconds? You can't smell it anymore. And you've got to go on to the next new smell. You've got to find something new to smell. And, it, and it's so important for us to understand that our bodies cannot get enough coming into our senses, and it's a problem. And he went on to say this in chapter 2. He said, what does a man get for all of his hard work? Days full of sorrow and grief and restless nights. You work for something with all your skill, then you have to leave it all to someone who hasn't had to work for it. So there's this myth that says success produces satisfaction. And if you've been successful in your life, you know that that's not true. Many successful people are unsatisfied. And after the thrill of winning, and you can even win a lot like Alabama, roll tide. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't well accepted, so. <laughs> I knew it wouldn't, but Angela would have loved it, so there you go. The Bible says this, man is always working, never satisfied. You work, work. Work, work, work. Never satisfied. Well, but if I'm successful, I'll have lots of stuff. Okay. You'll buy a boat. You'll do something fun. But you'll fall out. And, and the producers of all of the stuff that we buy say, satisfaction guaranteed, right? Guaranteed for how long? That's what we need to ask. Have you noticed that if we have something, there's always something better than what we just got? You know, if you go to the country clubs, which I don't, but if you do, I have been, and, and the person that took me was like, okay, this is how it works. They're driving the A-class Mercedes here, but they want the B-class, and the B-class wants the C-class, and the C-class wants the E-class, and the E-class wants the S-class, and the S-class wants the GLE-class, and the GLE-class wants the GLC-class, and so 
it goes on and on and on and on. And that's the way it works. Whatever you've got, you want something better, you want more, or somebody drives up next to you at the light and lets you know that theirs is better than yours, but then they go to the next one. You guys understand what I'm saying? Even when we get what we want, it still isn't enough. You can marry the most beautiful woman or the most handsome person in the world, but eventually, no, never mind, let's not go there. (laughs) Ecclesiastes 5.10, he who loves money will never have enough, never. And at some level, I mean, we've got to understand, listen guys, we've got to understand that this church will never be enough for you. And it takes the pressure off from us trying to be too much or or more than we really are. And in a marriage, your spouse will never really be enough for you. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's not where your happiness is. Your happiness is going to be found in Christ. And your happiness is going to be found in you loving people even though we're not enough for you. Okay, I've got a few people along with me there. You understand that's where your happiness and your peace is going to be in you finding love in your life and you choosing to love. He who loves money will never have enough. The foolishness of thinking wealth brings happiness. He says it's foolish for us to think that. What then is the secret of satisfaction? Well, let's uh, look at Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. Seek your happiness in the Lord. Seek your happiness in Him, and He will give you your heart's desire. I love that passage. Now, does that mean He's going to give you whatever your heart desires? I like to think of, of it as this. God will give you what your heart needs to desire. He will establish your heart's desire. And that'll be good, won't it? So how do you experience real satisfaction in life? Number one, you need to recognize your real hunger, your real hunger. That what you're hungry after is probably not what you're really hungry after. You have a real hunger inside of you that might come out in a different hunger and in a different way that you're you're hungry or thirsty for something. You know, you might be hungry for steak when it's really peanut butter that you need. Maybe not. A lot of people really don't know what they want in life. They don't know what they're hungry for. And God has established inside of you a hunger for Him. He wants to give you the desire of your heart. He wants your heart to be set on Him. And when you delight yourself in Him, He's capable of doing that. And the Bible says you're a spiritual being. And God made you to love Him, to know Him. He made you for that. He made you to love Him and to know Him. And He made you for Him to love to set his affections on. And nothing in your life is going to take the place of that. Nothing in your life is going to take the place of Christ's love and your love for him. Nothing will take the place of that. And you need to recognize that that's what your real hunger in life is really about. Your hunger is your spiritual being and it's hunger for God. That's where your hunger is coming from. And the sooner you recognize that, the better. So how does God give us a hunger for himself? Well, let's look at um, the Israelites. Look at what he did to the Israelites. Deuteronomy chapter 8. 
God humbled you. This is he's talking to the Israelites. God humbled you by letting you go hungry. Oh, that's exciting. And then feeding you, though, with manna, with something from him. He did this to help you realize that real life comes by obeying every command of God. Real life. He wants you to get on to your real life. The Israelites, they're talking about the Israelites here. Moses had led them out across the Red Sea, and now they're out into the desert, and they're, they're out there trusting in God for water and for food every day. God made it rain manna from heaven. Pretty awesome story. If you've never read it, go back and read the book of Exodus. Listen, there were no Taco Bells out there. There wasn't any Burger King. There was nothing out there. They got hungry and God provided manna for them. God allowed them to go hungry. And notice, look what it, I mean, that's what it says. God let them go hungry. He let them get hungry so that what? They would recognize their need for him. And there are going to be times in your life that God allows you to go hungry in a certain area of your life so that what? You'll sit there and, and grit your teeth and be frustrated that you don't have this? No, so that you'll turn to him and say, Father, I don't know why I'm hungry after this, but I'm going to trust that you're the one that I'm supposed to turn to for this need or for this desire that's in my heart. And I ask you to take over this. I ask you for your provision. I ask for you to make this happen. I turn to you instead of pursuing that. So another way we could read this is this. Happy are the hungry. Those are the people God is trying to get their attention. So if you're hungry emotionally, God's trying to get your attention. God is looking to you, saying, I want you closer to me. Come closer to me. Now, look what it also says. God humbled you. God humbled you by making you hungry. Hungry people are humble people. Somebody that's on the street that is very hungry, they're not worried about linens and napkins. They want food. And there are going to be times in your life that you need to recognize that, okay, we don't need to spice this up. I just need, to, I need something from God. And it's funny, when people come to church, I can tell sometimes when somebody's not hungry, when they're really not hungry for what God wants to give them. Why? Because, well, I don't like that song. <laughs> I'm not going to worship during this song. If you're hungry for God, it doesn't matter what song is playing. You're trying to find him. Well, I don't like what John's talking about today. Ooh, this is ridiculous. I heard a message on the radio that was way better than this. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was edited, so. <laughs> when you come to church hungry, you're looking and listening for something from him. And you'll look past the things that bother you, the things that aren't perfect, and you will eat. You'll look past perfection that's not there. And you'll Receive something from heaven. Why? Because you're hungry. And God will allow you to go hungry so that you'll be humble and be able to receive from Him what He's trying to say to you. 
God will even let you stumble and fall so that you'll be humble enough to come to him saying, Father, I need you. I need your presence. I need your help. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. I'm so glad to be in church today. I'm so glad to be able to sit down this morning and read your word that I'm, God, I thank you. Thank you for your mercy. You guys, are you picking up on this? Well, why doesn't he take this temptation away? Because you need a little bit of humility so that you'll stop and listen to him throughout the day. Are you following me? Paul prayed, God, please take this thorn out of my side, this flesh. Take this thorn out of my flesh. It's just driving me crazy. And God said, no, I'm not going to do that. Why, God? Why? He prayed three times because my grace is sufficient for you. And what I provide for you through my grace is enough. And I'm going to keep you humble by leaving it there. What? What was the flesh that Paul was always talking about? He was talking about sinful desires. And he's praying, Father, please take this temptation from me. And God said, no. Why not? Because I need you humble. You're about to be a, be a part of something big. And I need you to remain humble. Now, did that give Paul the right to fall into temptation and fail? No. But just the fact that he knew, man, I need God's grace and I need his forgiveness in my life every day. It's awesome. It's encouraging, isn't it? You see, your spiritual hunger, hunger that feels like emotional hunger will entice you to feed on things that will destroy you. How many of you found that to be true? Many people have realized that their emotional hunger is actually spiritual hunger, so they try to feed it, and there's this, you understand, there's a, as the old song says, there's a God-shaped hole in your heart. And what is it talking about? It's talking about there's a place for God in your life that only God needs to be there. And we try to fill our lives with other stuff, trying to fill that spot in our lives. And God says, nope, not going to work. I, that place was made for me. And unless you let me in, there's always going to be a problem in your life. You're never going to be satisfied. Never, never, never. Only he can fill that spot. And unfortunately, so many people try to fill that spot with religion. They try to fill it with ceremony, with rules and regulations, trying to fill it up with some sort of religion. And God says, no, that's not going to work. You can't feed yourself on spiritual junk food. You've got that hunger is for me. It's for a relationship with me, not for some sort of religion. It's for you to get to know who I am, what I like and what I don't like, and accommodate for me living inside of you. That's relationship. But religion is, well, let's light some candles and let's, let's do all kinds of motions and gestures and things like that. And, and God says, no, that's not going to cut it. This is about a relationship with me. And you and I have that opportunity to have that relationship with him on a daily basis. And until you've got that, you're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to be satisfied. And for so many people, walking into church is like walking into an exotic car museum. You know, whoa, look at the beautiful car. Look at this one. Wow, this one's only got two miles on it. This one is beautiful, color red. Wow, this is beautiful. And, and for so many people, they walk in and there's statues and there's all this stuff. And God says, no, 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 no. 
What the cross did was way more brutal than you just walking into church and having all this beauty and statues and all this other stuff to worship. It was about relationship. Did you know that it would be okay for our church to not have a cross in here? Did you know that? In fact, it might even be more healthy. What? Because it's not about us. If we don't have that relationship, we have nothing. Nothing. You know, Jesus was more frustrated with the religious, pious, church-going people than anybody. And oh, by the way, who was it that crucified him? They didn't want the real God. They wanted ceremony. They wanted pomp and circumstance. They wanted big hats and robes and statues and all of that. They wanted to be respected and celebritized. So how do you experience real satisfaction in life? You recognize that the real hunger is for that relationship. That's what your real hunger is for, from. It's from that other body inside of you that says, I'm hungry. It's that spiritual body that's saying, I'm hungry. And it manifests it so much in our fleshly emotions that we think if we just take care of this body and feed this body, no, your real hunger is from that inner person, the real you, the eternal you if you've accepted Christ. Secondly, we have to stop eating spiritual junk food. Isaiah 55 verse 2, why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what is not, does not satisfy? He's saying, quit wasting your time, quit wasting your money on the things of this world that really don't satisfy. Find what truly satisfies. What are you really looking for to satisfy you? And, and my, my communication today and what God is saying to us today is God is the one that truly satisfies you in your life. And the younger you are, and figure this out, the better your life is going to be. And we have to come to a place in our lives where we say, all right, I need to stop eating junk food, spiritual junk food, things that I'm trying to feed this body with that aren't good. There's a lot of spiritual junk food out there. And do you know the difference between being filled and satisfied? Do you know the difference? Think about it. God could have anything to fill his life. But what did he choose? Us. He chose you to be the fill of his life, to be the, the, the people that matter to him, to bring satisfaction to him. The Bible calls you, us, together, his inheritance, the church. You and I become something so beautiful in the end. That's pretty awesome to think about. 
He transforms us and we become something so beautiful and so amazing because we've developed this relationship with him that he says, you're my inheritance. You're what I'm working for. We're what God is working for. And he says, he says, you matter to me. And God could have anything. You think about this. He could he could just dream up anything and bring it into existence to enjoy and to be satisfied in his own life. And he says, my people are my portion. My people are my inheritance. My people, the people that choose to love me and have a relationship with me are what matters to me. And that's where I'm satisfied. And listen, when you say, Father, you're going to be my, my satisfaction. I'm going to set my affections on you. You're my God. And then your people are what I'm going to focus my affection on and my attention on as well. You'll find satisfaction in your life. Well, how do you do that? It's interesting that our appetites, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but your appetite can be uh, brought on by who you're around. If someone you're with says, man, I really could go for a steak. Just a few minutes later, you're thinking, I, I, I could go for a steak too, okay. Well, I need a tasty cake. Well, I guess I could go for a tasty cake too. Whoever you hang out with can greatly affect what you're hungry for. And if you hang out with people that are on the world's junk food, what's going to happen? You're going to get on the world's junk food. And it's going to destroy your life. It'll destroy your relationships. But if you get around people who are hungry for God, who are hunger, who hunger and thirst for Him, you'll be satisfied. Why? Because it's contagious, isn't it? It's probably why Sam chose Cassie this morning because he sees the hunger and thirst that she has for God. She's contagious. If you've been around her, it rubs off. She's a wonderful person. And spiritual hunger is contagious. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be hungry for God? Then get around people who are hungry for the things of God. Be around them. How do you experience real satisfaction? You've got to recognize your real hunger is God. And secondly, get off all the junk food. Start eating the right stuff spiritually. And third, you've got to start looking to Christ for satisfaction. Look to Him for satisfaction. Jesus satisfies us when we drink His water. He satisfies us when we drink His water. Jesus said, we drink, you say, well, how do I drink His water? We drink when we worship. And this is one of my favorite stories. You guys are always going to hear me telling this story. Um, John chapter 4, it's the woman at the well. Just so pertinent in, this, in the, today's message. John recorded a story where Jesus sat down to rest by Jacob's well in Samaria. This is what Jacob's well looks like today. They built a church around it, all right? So think about that. This is where this happened. Jesus met the Samaritan woman at this well. If you look online, you can see what it looked like before they built the church around it 100 years ago. So take a look at that and, and understand that this is where this happened. 
The disciples all left. They went to get some lunch, and Jesus stood there, stayed there, I should say, and, and he was hanging out there. And this woman comes out to get some water. And while she's drawing water, Jesus looks at her and says, Hey, will you give me a drink? Well, it was a Samaritan woman. Jesus was Jewish. Jews looked, they were not, they were snobbish and insolent towards Samaritans, especially. And she couldn't believe that this Jew was asking her to give her some water. And so she was sarcastic back to him. And he said, hey, look, if you knew, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. And she said, how would you do that? You don't even have a bucket. And she's looking at him. She's like, you're so foolish to come to a well and then tell me that you could give me some water and you don't even have a bucket. She was really hilarious when you read this story. And Jesus said, whoever drinks water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give, I give will never thirst again. It will become in him a spring of living water. What is he talking about? Satisfaction. Don't you want that? What was this woman looking for in her life? Jesus started talking about worship. If you want to drink from heaven, it comes through worship. It comes through worship. Well, when it comes to church, I just show up 15 or 20 minutes late, then the worship's over. I'm just there for the word. Well, wait a second. If you want to drink, it's one thing to eat. But if you want to drink, you got to be a part of worship. And I'm not just talking about during church service. I'm talking about throughout the week. Worship. Worship. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. Aren't you thirsty for that kind of relationship with God where you can come into a a worship service even and just say, "Okay, God, this is who I am. This is where I've been this week. And I worship you in spite of it. I worship you and thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. You've gotten me through this week. How many of you were perfect this week? Hundred percent. Anybody? I've got my hands down. How many of you messed up this week? 100%. We're all in the same boat and how wonderful it is to be able to come into the worship service and say, okay, God, man, I blew it this week or man, I was 10% this week or 90%, whatever it was, I still blew it. And God, I worship you and I thank you and connecting him in reality. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? Where, where, Where did God find them? He came walking through the garden and they were hidden, weren't they? They were hiding And that's what sin wants to do in your life. That's what eating the wrong things in your life will do. Spiritual things, spiritually wrong things, that is. And understanding that it will cause you to want to be separate from the body. It'll cause you to want to not be seen by God. But this is what Jesus calls you to. He says, all right, you're not perfect. Yes, you're going to mess up. And I'm even going to leave some temptations there for you to overcome, to keep you humble. But you come in in spirit and in truth 
who you really are, just begin to worship me and say, God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your love. And allow that for the rest of the body. Well, I don't know. I saw Ron was doing this week. He's over there yawning right now in church, in fact. And I just don't agree with that. I think it's a bad thing. He doesn't know he's even being talked about over there. So, (laughs) And it would be so easy just to sit and judgment on each other. And God says, no, you come in and be satisfied with me. These people aren't perfect and quit looking to them to be perfect. Your pastor is not perfect. Quit looking for him to be perfect. Haven't you figured that out? And Jesus, look what he says to him. Yeah, I know. I know where you've been. You've had five husbands. You've been looking for a lot of satisfaction, and you can't get none. And the man you're with now, you're not even married to him. This woman was hungry. She was hungry. She was unsatisfied with husband number one. Number two, we don't know what happened to all of them, but five, I mean, come on. And now she's on number six, not even married to him yet. But then she met Jesus. And I won't go into it all today, but her name was Fatina. And Fatina went on to love Jesus for the rest of her life to the point that she was skinned alive. And died for him. She became one of the greatest missionaries in the church. Serving Jesus to the death. Absolutely amazing what this woman became. Why? Because Jesus satisfied her. In a way like she had never been satisfied before. Modern church is caught up in making people celebrities though. And true worship is making him the celebrity. I was reading a worship magazine one day. I don't do it a whole lot, but I was reading through one one day, and there was a, there was a slogan for this conference that was coming, and the, the slogan was this, Praise heard round the world. How many of you heard it that day? Anybody? You know, we can, we can start worshiping people, it never works out. Or we can worship Him. And when we drink, or we drink when we worship Him, you understand that? That's the water coming into you when you worship. And so when we come in to worship tonight during prayer or next Sunday morning when you're able to come, worship, Wednesday night, worship. Even if we're not singing songs, you can worship Him in your spirit during the week. Get in your car, worship Him. Wherever you are, sitting at your desk. And i got to be honest with you, there will be times where all of a sudden you'll sense God's Spirit so strong you won't know what to do with Him. And He'll be there with you. We drink the living water when we bow before Him and say, Father, You're all I need.
you're all I need. We drink when we worship, but we eat when we do God's will. You see, Jesus taught the, the lady some more here, and the disciples, they came back, and they're like, hey, Jesus, here's your whopper. And Jesus was like, oh, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not hungry. I don't need a whopper today. Thank you, though. And they're like, what? We just went all the way into town, and whoever paid for it was probably like, good grief. I just gave my last two bucks for this thing, and he doesn't even want to eat it. And they were actually irritated. Who gave him food? I don't understand this. And they didn't, they didn't get it. And, and Jesus said this, I already ate. I already ate. Don't worry about it. The disciples, they were puzzled. Who could have brought him food? And Jesus said, the food that keeps me going is that, is that I do the will of the one who sent me. He says, my food is doing the will of the Father. And he was telling us, this is your food, your spiritual food, is doing what God sent you here to do. He's got a purpose. He's got meaning for your life. And until you begin to do what God gave you to do with your life, you're going to feel hungry. And, and parched, and you're going to try to feed that hunger with the wrong things if you don't go on doing what God has called you to do. You eat when you do God's will for your life. If you're doing God's will, you're being fed. Well, I don't want to go to that church anymore because I'm not getting fed. Well, guess what? This is how you get fed. You get fed by doing God's will for your life. No, 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 John. It comes through your sermons. No, it doesn't. You get fed by doing God's will in your life. You drink through worship. You get fed by doing... This is what Jesus said. This isn't me telling you this other than me sharing what Jesus said. Are you hungry? Great. God gave you that hunger so that you could find and do His will for your life. Don't get caught up trying to feed it the wrong way. Are you hungry? Not only do you need water, but you need bread. And this is how you get it. Do God's will for your life. You not only need to worship, you need to do God's will. How hungry are you? How thirsty are you? And what are you feeding yourself spiritually? Jesus said this, My food is to do what God wants, the Father wants. He's the one who sent me, and I must finish the work that He gave me to do. You may say that there are still four months until harvest time, but I tell you to look and you'll see that the fields are ripe and ready to harvest. What is he saying? He's saying there's plenty of work waiting for you to do. Well, John hasn't called me and asked me. You don't have to be called by me to do the work of the Father, the will of the Father. He says there's plenty of work. Go out and find the work to do. Find it in your church. Find it in the community, the people that you need to reach. He says the fields are ripe. There are people ready to accept Jesus into their lives. And you can be the person to bring the message to them. And he says even now, right now, the harvest workers are receiving their reward by gathering a harvest that brings eternal life. Some of you like rewards. He says there's satisfaction if you'll serve me. James David, would you come? What is he saying here? He's saying you've got to take action. You've got to take action. Well, I'm waiting on God. For what? Aren't you hungry? If you are, good. You'll be satisfied 
when you turn to Him, you worship Him, and you start living out His will for your life, you'll be satisfied. If you've been saying, well, I'm not really satisfied with my marriage, I'm not really satisfied with my job, I'm not really satisfied with my kids, with my parents, with my family, with my health, with my weight, with my whatever. It's not the real hunger. John, that's my problem. No, they're not your problem. It's not your problem. That's not your problem. All of it is God saying, pay attention to me. It's so hard to say it, but I truly believe that one day I'll be able to truly look back and see that losing Angela was probably one of the greatest things that happened to my life spiritually. To be able to turn that hunger into a One of our missionaries, love him to death, he's a giant. Dale Vancinas, he came and was with us. He's been with us since then. But last summer, he was asking, how are you doing after church? We went to lunch. And I was just honest. I said, well, I got to tell you, man, I'm asking God, are you enough? I've sang those songs all my life. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. And I gotta be honest with you, I don't think he's I don't think he's all I need. I was hungry to have my wife back. Hungry. And over that period of time, God began to help me turn that into a hunger for him. And I have found that He is all I need. Now, this flesh wants to fight it sometimes. But it's true. It's true. He's saying, you've got to take action. You've got to change your hunger and thirst to what it really is. If you're dissatisfied, congratulations. If you're hungry, that's great. Because God's trying to get your attention. And He wants you to draw close to Him. He says, happy are those who are hungry and thirsty for, the good, for true goodness, for they will truly be satisfied. God is saying, satisfaction Would you bow your heads? Did you used to be hungry for him, but now you're not?
That means there's an illness, a spiritual illness. And God wants to heal that. Some of you say, well, I'm a Christian, John, but to be honest with you, I don't really, not really hungry for God. I don't read the Bible. I'm not interested in it. It's time for you to get to know Him and look and see that the other hungers in your life are actually Him trying to get your attention. What is it that you're lacking? Look to Him for. Father, today we thank You. Thank You that You're all we need. You truly are. Help us in our unbelief. And maybe there's here somebody today that has been so starving and thirsty for something in their life to help them. And they're turning towards you right now. And I praise you and thank you that you're there for them. Come on, if you're thirsty, just start worshiping him. I worship you, O God. I worship you. God, you're bigger than all of my needs. You're bigger than all of my problems and struggles. You truly are all that I need. And if you're hungry today, just say, God, I want to find what your purpose and meaning in my life is and begin doing that. I accept who you made me to be, the way you made me to be. so that I can do what you've called me to do. And I commit myself to that today. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you're accepting Christ into your life. Just talk to Him. Get to know who He is. Accept Him for who He is. What He likes and doesn't like. And accommodate for that relationship with Him. Thank you, Jesus. heads bowed and eyes closed, if you accepted a new relationship with Christ today, I just want to give you an opportunity real quick just to say, John, yeah, that was me today. And if that was you, just lift up your eyes and look at me until my eyes catch yours. Just to verify, yeah, that was me today, John. All right. Anybody else?